this kind of stuff happens in practices. You kind of have this weird hierarchy battle between practice managers and veterinarians, like who's really in charge here? Stop doing that. You know, you have this weird thing between like technicians versus assistants or receptionists. Like guys, stop it. We're all on the same team. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud marketing podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, we have Andrew Luna. I think a lot of people might know who you are already. Am I right? They might. I hope so. <laughs> Do you want to give your quick intro on what you're doing right now, what you're building right now and that stuff? And then I'm going to have a, a cool follow-up question. Yeah, for sure. So I'm currently the founder and CEO of Hound and Pet Care Collective. Most people haven't seen it quite yet, but we're working on something to better the veterinary profession. Really, really focused on building healthier culture, better technology, and stronger community in the space. Nice. And you're in Denver, where I started Whisker Cloud back in my old stomping ground. And the funny thing is what you just said, there was an article on me, June 1st, 2016, the day I officially launched Whisker Cloud. And it was from Built in Colorado, which is a pretty big national, there's sort of like a chain of startup and tech magazines. And there's a story on me that said why this Denver entrepreneur wants, wants to modernize the veterinary industry. And then here you are talking about the same thing. So I feel like there's this like select group of people that are all really serious about wanting to change things in vet med, um, which I think we should talk about today. But before we jump into that, I need to know your superhero origin story. What got you to vet med? How did you end up here? Because a lot of the people that are on this episode are veterinary professionals at some point, went to vet school. I didn't, you didn't, unless I don't know that about you, but I don't think you did. <laughs> so how'd you find your way to vet med? Yeah, I think my you know 10 years of experience in this space has been a pretty wild journey. I've been in and out and back into vet med. So it all started... You know, when I was 18 years old, thought I was going to start college to be a veterinarian. So I started my undergrad, started working in veterinary hospitals, and I quickly learned, no, nah, I don't actually want to be a veterinarian. And I switched my uh, degree, and I was pursuing anesthesiology and human healthcare. I started some clinicals, realized I didn't like that either. And I actually, at the time, started looking for something different. And I invented and patented a pharmaceutical packaging solution. At 20, I was trying to take on big pharma, and of course, I failed, uh, but I did learn a lot. Uh, and then I switched to a business degree, and at that time, switched to a group of veterinary hospitals in Austin, Texas. I helped them launch a couple new hospitals, design their fourth and fifth, and then before leaving, uh, we were acquired. And I had a really pivotal moment where I had the opportunity to actually become the CEO of this veterinary group uh, in my mid-20s, which is a very rare opportunity. And I just kind of looked at life, felt like I was maybe on a conveyor belt, you know, college, you know, good job, I my fiance, what's next, house cars, kids, and my fiance and I decided we want to do something a little different. So we moved to Thailand. Uh, I took a job with a TripAdvisor portfolio company and was absolutely loving it. Uh, I got to travel throughout Southeast, Ava Southeast Asia and then COVID hit. Uh, so I lost my job and then reached out to a couple of friends, one of which who you know is Julian, the CEO over at Vetstoria, and uh, where now I'm the head of sales with them. But during all this time and throughout this turbulence, I kind of, you know, had a, another moment for introspection and I realized that I wanted and I really needed uh, to do something to really help build better culture, better technology and stronger community at scale in veterinary medicine. So that's kind of been my journey, landing me here where I am today on this podcast with you, uh, getting ready to launch my own company, Hound and our community, Pet Care Collective. 
Hot damn. And I remember when you and I first met and you and I talked, you were telling me you were like kind of trapped in Thailand, right? Yeah, it was honestly a really wild experience. Uh, I love Thailand. As soon as I'm able to move back, uh, I'll be there. But it was uh, very interesting being in a place where you don't speak the local language and the government has the military blockading your neighborhood to come take temperatures and whisk you away to the hospital if you have a fever. So as soon as we could, uh, we located back to the States. Man, that is nuts. It, was it weird to like go grocery shopping? Yeah, we uh, kind of didn't. They have something there called Food Panda, which we really loved. It's kind of like Uber Eats, but you get food, say a really nice dinner, honestly, delivered to your door for like a buck fifty. So it's super convenient for us. And, you know, honestly, we just use Food Panda to get all this delicious Thai food delivered. Uh, I gained definitely more than the quarantine 15 uh, during that time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, man, at least two days a week, I think to myself, I'm making salad for dinner because I was horrible yesterday or over the weekend, I indulged too much. So yeah, I don't know if I could do that. Plus, well, but again, at that price, I'd probably do it like six times a day. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, they had like, you know, everything you want. The Thai food's amazing. Bubble tea there is very, very good. I mean, yeah, that they have it all. It's delicious. Well, welcome back. Uh, thank you. And I'm glad I'm glad you ended up in Denver. And um, yeah, you and I have chatted in the past. And, you know, I, I think it's funny. And just so everyone knows that's listening, before these episodes kind of shoot the shit and we talk about like, all right, what do we want to talk about? I always say the same thing. Like, I have nothing planned. You know, I hope I don't curse too much. I hope I don't say something stupid that I'll regret or that the editors will message me about and say, hey, man, do you want us to re remove this? Which has happened one time. I did have them remove it. And then another time they took out an F word that I said. But other than that, I haven't made any big mistakes, but you know, you and I were kind of talking about culture and veterinary medicine and, and the importance of that and building teams. So why are you so interested in culture and vet med? And like I said, I, I just learned the second everyone else learned that you actually worked in vet hospitals. I didn't know that. So you probably got to see it firsthand. So what, what has you so passionate about it now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I've worked in veterinary medicine for about 10 years. And in my tenure, you know, I've hired and managed over 100 people in my career. And for every team that I lead, you know, culture is so, so, so important. Uh, I think we've all had a shitty boss, you know, uh, and we've all had a workspace that we've been in that it just re really wasn't right for us. And it didn't empower you. It didn't inspire you. It didn't nurture you. And at the end of the day, you just go home completely exhausted. And we know that in veterinary medicine, burnout is a really, really big problem, compassion fatigue, the list goes on. There are plenty of buzzwords and very real challenges that we're facing in this space. And for me, you know, I care so, so much about other people. Uh, I love travel, travel the world. And I love it so much because I get to meet other people and learn about their culture and learn about their language and their food and the way they dance. And you know, humans are amazing, right? I just, I love humans. I love psychology. And for me, whenever I uh, am in the workplace, I just truly, truly want to see people not as my employees, not as a technician, not as a doctor, not as a, a sales representative, but as a human being. And culture has always been first and foremost for me in my leadership style, because I'm a very, very strong believer in the thought that you can have an amazing product and a terrible culture and a dysfunctional team and that amazing product or service will fail. You can have an okay service or product, but amazing culture and an amazing team behind it, and you will find success.
And I think that culture is just important to everybody. It's very, very important to the millennial generation, which is now the largest segment of veterinary medicine. And quite honestly, we all should care about it, right? If we all care about each other, which I know that we all do, then we need to figure out what is this elusive mystical thing we call culture and how can we turn it into something tangible, which is what, you know, I would love to be able to kind of walk through today a bit. So this isn't the first time this could come up on this podcast. And and I'll tell you, culture is insanely important to us at Whisker Cloud. We don't lose many people. We more than doubled our team during COVID. To be honest, this is the weird part. I've met like two of those people in person. And those people were, it was pretty distanced. I mean, it's pretty nuts that I have all these people that I've never met that now work here. When we build a culture and we're doing it remotely, it's... Uh, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication from team leaders and me to make sure that happens. You know, this is probably, this is, I think this is our, we're in the teens now for this episode. And this is probably in the teens. I've said this on an episode. Okay. Here we go again. Everyone <laughs> says vet med is toxic. Vet med, vets don't care about technology. Vets don't do this. Vets don't do that. Right? Like if you're listening out there and you're an avid listener, here we go again. So, <laughs> but this is what we do. I've had this podcast nine months now and it for nine months I've had this conversation and it's, and I, what's cool about it is I have this conversation with each person that comes on. It's always a little different, but okay. So we're all going to continue to talk about it. Are we, you know, what truly, truly comes next? And, and, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective on it because at the end of the day, I talk about this all the time. I'm in the Facebook groups. I'm in the LinkedIn groups. I'm on the forums. I see this and I, I show my wife these posts at night. I'm like, oh, hey, look, this is one of our customers. This is a Whisker Cloud customer. Look what they're saying. I saw a post today and it was and it was basically just talking about how people no show and how it really pisses off the practice manager and she just wants to fire everyone and she can't take it anymore. And then there's like 15 comments. They're like, just leave, just leave, just leave. And I'm thinking like, holy shit, you have people like aching each other on to leave their jobs. You have people that are like constantly calling in sick. Everyone's miserable. Do the, do the practice owners care? Do they know? Do the, are the practice managers equipped or taught what to do in these situations? Are there any systems in place that when someone calls out three times, you have a plan for that? And are they hiring in a way where they're prepared for it. And I'll say one last thing before you jump in. We, uh, we, you know, on our sites, we custom build uh, careers pages and it's nice. It's, you know, A, the SEO on it's incredibly strong. We were showing a couple customers yesterday, type in the city and type in vet, you know, the city where they're located plus veterinary jobs or veterinary careers are at the top. They're ahead of Indeed. That's pretty powerful stuff. So when you talk about doing stuff like that, the emails our team constantly gets is like, we just had two receptionists walk out. Can you please put a job up right away? And but we get that exact email a lot. So this kind of goes ties together like the hiring process plus culture plus training. And and I'll shut up and let you kind of talk through some of this stuff. But again, man, it's like talk talk to me. You and I, maybe, maybe Hound and Whisper Cloud will figure something out. What the hell are we gonna do to fi fix this? Even though it's is it our problem? No, but wouldn't it be cool to fix it either way? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. So I agree. I think that veterinary medicine, everybody says this, it's, you know, maybe five to 10 years behind in technology and mindset and so on. But that is definitely changing. There are certainly people leading the pack who are doing a very, very good job in focusing on experience of the customers, experience of the employees. But I think really what needs to happen is three core things in this industry. We need to build healthier culture. We need to accept better technology and we need to strengthen our community. So this is actually exactly the company that I'm building. I'm not here to just talk about the problem and make sure we have very good awareness about it. I'm here to solve it. So we're creating a company called Hound and Hound is an HR software company that's going to do sure job search, but that's just a very, very small piece of a very, very large human resource management life cycle. And uh, beyond this, we're also building a community, Pet Care Collective. And Pet Care Collective's goal is to unify the space. We need to bring people together, raise more awareness around these things that can make it easier and better in veterinary medicine and bring people together. So I'm taking quite a bit of action to you know, solve these challenges and problems that we all hear about, we all talk about, and we all feel in our core. You know, My best friends work in this industry, my family members work in this industry, my closest colleagues work in veterinary medicine. This is very, very personal to me. I'm very, very passionate about it. And I hear you, right? I hear the industry. I hear the people. We're here for the people. So we are building technology to make this better, and we're building community to make this better. So what this technology is going to look like is, you know, imagine uh, a much, much better job search experience. Today, it's really not great. Indeed is the number one used job search platform. You have some people applying for jobs on Craigslist, which is like gross. We shouldn't be using Craigslist for <laughs> finding a professional job. You know, and then there's others that are maybe industry specific, but quite honestly, the job search function or the HR tools, if they exist, they're not those companies or those organizations core focus. And when anything is in our core focus, it's not done the best. So we just have a bunch of stuff that's not done the best in the space. And, you know, my whole philosophy is that experience wins every time. And when I talk about experience, I don't just mean it in this mystical way, the same way that people talk about culture. When I talk about experience, it's actually a philosophy. So at the very bottom rung, you have a commodity. And I'll use the metaphor of coffee beans because this is the easiest way to, to use this example. But the commodity here would be coffee beans. The next ring up the ladder would be product. So imagine a, a bagged bag of coffee beans. And then the next rung up the ladder is service. So imagine a barista making you a cup of coffee. The top rung of the ladder is experience. And this is why Starbucks has done so well, is because they've taken a commodity, coffee beans, maybe not even the best ones, and they've given you an amazing experience. When you go in there, it's super easy, convenient, it smells good, free Wi-Fi, nice couches to lounge on, whatever it may be. And the same is true in veterinary medicine. You know, when I was a director for this group of veterinary hospitals, we focused so, so, so heavily on experience. People don't want to have these like gross, annoying experiences ever in their life. When you go to the vet, you're nervous, you're scared, you're stressed out, you're, you're somewhere you don't want to be. And it's like this painful experience. And they're speaking some language that you don't really understand. It's a bunch of medical jargon and you got to spend a bunch of money. So what we did there is we pulled out all the stuff that sucks, that people don't like, that make going to the vet stressful. We removed those things and we plugged in a bunch of stuff that people like, right? Because we're all people at the end of the day. So my philosophy is always about building the best experience that we can build, 
period, no matter where we're at. So with Hound and Pet Care Collective, we are building on experience. We're building on community and we're focusing on the people. What that'll look like in terms of our technology, again, imagine you're looking for a job. You're in one of three situations. You have a job and you hate it, that sucks. And then you're gonna go look for a job and that sucks. Or maybe you don't have a job and you're strapped for cash, that sucks. And then you gotta go find a job, that sucks. Maybe you love your job, that doesn't suck, that's great. But then maybe your partner wants to move around the, uh, uh, around the country or maybe some other thing is pulling you and calling you to go find a job in another city or another state or whatever it may be. Then you gotta go find a job and that sucks. So regardless, if you're in the job search process, it sucks. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's challenges there for the job seeker. And so if that is true, and we know that working in veterinary hospitals is stressful and people just have this kind of like, you know, stress built up within them and some negativity around them, we want to exist to focus on bringing more positivity, more empowerment, more inspiration and support to these people. And we don't want to look at them as job seekers. We don't want to look at them as employees. We don't want to look at them as customers or as touch points or data points. We're human beings. And at the end of the day, we all have these basic fundamental psychological needs. And if you can tap into that and make people feel good on these fundamental levels, then you can accomplish this through great experience and you can give people really what they need and we can start kind of getting there into building culture. So these things kind of like blend together, right? Is a job search platform gonna solve culture in veterinary medicine? No, of course not. Can we make sure that people are the right fit for the right job? Sure, that can help us get there a little bit. Is a full suite of HR tools helping the practice manager who's overwhelmed and spread super thin and doesn't maybe even know what an HRM strategy is going to help make sure that we have better human resource management for our people in veterinary medicine? Yes. So we want to make the job easier for the practice managers managing their teams. We want to help people feel like people. We want to make people come together, feel nurtured, supported, and we're putting together a ton of resource and a ton of technology and a ton of action to make this happen. Wow. I love it. I know that was just like a very like quick response. Wow, I love Concise. it. Concise. Concise. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. And and again, I I think that I've talked at length about the job search and these things. And again, I read. I'm in all these forums, and I I go in those forums. I'm quiet. I don't post. Even when people talk about Whisker Cloud, I don't say a word. I just kind of keep my mouth shut. But. I see all these things and they talk about, oh, we interviewed this person today. And it and it's like even their mentality going into it's really tough. So I like people like you because you remind me of me, which is Aww. a weird compliment. <laughs> but no, I mean, but you care. And that's I think that's the thing is, you know, I like I, I have friends and family who listen to this podcast and they're like, sometimes you kind of come off like an ass. I'm like, I'm not an ass. If anything, I just care too much and I get frustrated because I care, but I can tell like that you care too. I mean, you're building something because you care. I mean, that's what whisker cloud was. I moved to Denver. I'm trying to find a vet. I'm finding all these ugly websites that have wrong hours on them, you know, broken stuff. And I'm thinking like, no, I'm cool. I'm, you know, if you can't, uh, if you can't even make your website look good, you're not going to take good care of my pets. And that's how it went. And I, you know, after about 10 of those interactions, as I moved to different spots in Denver over a couple of years, I said, I'm just building this. I'm fixing this right now. And here we are. And, you know, you kind of said the same thing. You had boots on the ground, you were in there and it's, it, it's hard and they're busy. I mean, you know, COVID has put a strain on these hospitals that I don't think pet owners understand. And 
the compassion that I feel, even when our, our Whisker Cloud customers email us and they can be pretty rude sometimes, I always remind our team, our support team and whoever they talk to, I'm like, listen, you do not know what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. The the COVID, the, you know, the people yelling at them about sitting in their car, people freaking out because they can't go inside with their pets. And I mean, you know, I, I've talked about this on few previous episodes, the reviews, you know, that our reputation management sees, they're just getting worse and worse by the day. And these hospitals, unfortunately, are like punching bags for people and it's not fair. And, and then what happens, right? You've got a doc who's stressed and you've got a practice manager who's doing 10 people's jobs. And then you have, you know, whether it's new people or people that have been there a long time who do call in sick and it sucks and we're already shorthanded and we're dealing with COVID. And then you, and then you called in sick on me and two people did it. It's a nightmare. If two people call in sick at Whisker Cloud, which really doesn't happen, it's manageable. But in a hospital where you're, you know, your front of the house staff is maybe three or four at any given time, it's probably chaos, right? Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine that. But so, uh, well, I'll talk about this. So like Whisker Cloud, we use a company for like payroll and some HR stuff called Gusto, and they're in Denver and they're based in Denver. A lot of the things that Whisker Cloud uses is based in Denver because I own another company in Denver. I started Whisker Cloud in Denver, and Denver has a great tech scene. So I'm glad that they're going to have another great resource with you there. But, and you know, they send us emails on like, here's questions you should be asking in one on ones, and here's, here's ways to check in with your team, and here are some cool new benefits we can offer. So you're going to do stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so essentially what we're going to do is we're going to empower the practice manager, who you mentioned, right? Super, super spread thin. They are managing 10 people's jobs. And honestly, most practice managers, they're a receptionist or technician with five or 10 years of industry experience. They get promoted to this practice manager position. And now they're expected to manage this $2 million a year business with thousands of inventory items and customer service, clinical operations, HR, marketing, finance, the list goes on. Even saying those things, just listing what they're doing is a lot. So are they going to be able to focus very, very intently and heavily on HR or on finance or on marketing? No. And we see it in the space, right? So what I can't do is solve all of those problems. What I want to do is solve the problem that I find to be the most important to us, which is the people. So can I educate every single practice manager and get them a business degree with a focus in HR? No, I can't, unfortunately. But what I can do is I can give them better tools for their tool belt. So what this will look like is you're a practice manager in a veterinary hospital. You might not know all the best strategies to manage your people, but you can have technology there to help you. And I know that in veterinary medicine, sometimes we're tech averse. Sometimes we don't like adopting these new technologies and the corporate antibody comes in. And, you know, if something new shows up, we immediately want to see the negative in it and try to reject it. But we need to change that. And in veterinary medicine, we need to start allowing technology to make our lives easier, to make our jobs easier, to make us better at our jobs and to better take care of our customers, to better take care of each other. So we'll be building after we launch this job search platform here in the next few months, uh, we'll be launching additional tools to better manage the people. Because again, job search, that's not going to fix culture in this industry. We understand that job search is a huge, huge thorn in the side for practice managers. But industry-wide turnover rate is a weighted average of 33%. So could you imagine any team, a sports team, a software company, having to replace a third of their team every year? 
that's a huge pain in the ass. Uh, and it creates a ton, a ton of inefficiencies and expenses in the practice. And every time that you have to find somebody, you need to onboard them and train them and assimilate them into your culture. There's so much that goes into this. So we want to build better technology to make that experience better, both for the job seeker and for the employer. But that's not the finish line. You don't hire somebody and then say, high five, good job, figure it out now. Now we need to now we need to empower them. We need to nurture them. We need to recognize them. We need to reward them. We need to intervene. There's so much that goes into this HRM life cycle that is not currently supported by technology in this space. I love Gusto. So it's been used at the past two companies I've worked at. Uh, it's fun. It's quirky, good technology, but it doesn't cover all those things. It's great for benefits, great for payroll, but there's so much more to HRM than benefits and payroll. There's so much more to managing your people and to building and maintaining culture than finding people to hire and then paying them. There's so, so much more that's not being done in the space that we are going to bring to veterinary medicine. And again, take care of the people because that is what matters most. Before I follow up on that, I would just like to shout out Jeannie Buss and the Los Angeles Lakers who turned over 50% of their team and won the championship. Thank you. (laughs) With that being said, can we do some role playing for Hound right now? Uh, Sure. (laughs) And you're probably, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to be a potential Hound customer right now. And I'm going to do this on this podcast while recording. And you're sitting there thinking right now, like, Oh, you're such a schmuck. Why are you doing this? Because you don't know what I'm going to say. Because to be honest, I've, you know, you've only told me about Hound recently and I don't know a ton about it. So I play devil's advocate at Whisker Cloud a lot. When a department head or someone brings something to me, my goal, and we do this ourselves, we're in the middle right now of doing a website audit where we're, we're going manually through every site, every single site we have there worldwide and we're doing this and we're we we're adding a couple lines of code that a add a little additional security b we we built our own custom spam filter because spam has been a national security issue for websites across the world if you can go google it like during covid spam has gotten worse and worse so we created our own spam filter because a lot of these paid things suck so every time we do something i try to say okay well what's the hardest part of this where we have to deal with. And at Whisker Cloud, the hardest part is pretty simple. Someone emails us and says, yeah, you know, they do a demo with our team. Yeah, we want the website. We're so excited. We're ready. Cool. Awesome. Will you send us pictures of your team? Oh, we don't have that. Okay, no problem. Well, you know, take some iPhone pictures. We can help you out. Here's some ideas. Can you at least send over some bios? Here's a template. Yeah, we don't really have time for that. Okay, cool. Well, if you could just write down three or four things that everyone likes, and maybe when they start working there, our team will write that for you. Can you send us pictures of the hospital? Yeah, we don't have those. It's like, okay, well, you know, can you ask your customers? What what can we do there? So, I mean, that's that's the devil's advocate. I We always play. It's what's the worst case scenario? So, so let's say someone signs up and they go to you and say, and you say, awesome. What do you want to do? Like, what is that experience going to look like? Are you going to say to them, tell us about the clinic. Tell us about your mission. What positions do you have open? Like, what are the first three pieces of information you need to get from them? Yeah, I want to be cautious in giving away our secret sauce as we're pre-launch and in development right now. But what I would say is this, uh, you know, we talked about experience, right? And for this practice manager who's super, super busy, you're hitting the nail on the head, right? Like I'm super busy. I don't want to go into Indeed or whatever it is and like 
go through this confusing experience and try to like post a job and write a job description. Like I'm a practice manager. I'm not good at copywriting. I'm supposed to write some inspirational job. Like what? This is weird. So what we are building is technology that just streamlines that entire process. There'll be plenty of automations. And essentially we just want to get people to that wow factor as quickly as possible. I listen to a lot of successful entrepreneurs from YC. And one of the things that they talk about is trying to have a 10 times lighter experience than the competition, trying to have a 10 times better experience than the competition. And if you can do that, at first glance, look and feel 10 times better than what exists. And if you can make it 10 times faster or 10 times easier for the user to do what it is they're trying to do, in our case, post a job. This is how you enter the space. This is how you create a product that will win. This is how you give the users the experience they're looking for. So I can't quite answer right now exactly what that entire process looks like. But what I can say is that all of these things have been deeply, deeply considered. We've spoken to hundreds of practice managers and veterinary professionals about this. So we've done a, a, quite a bit of research and we understand what people are looking for. Again, in my tenure, I've hired and managed over 100 people. I know what we look for when we're looking for candidates. So what we're going to be doing is just making the process so much easier for both the job seekers and for the employers, remove as many of those admin burdens that you just mentioned, and find ways to automate those processes, find ways to streamline, find ways to make this software just, yeah, just awesome uh, is really what we're trying to do for the space. I love it. Do you like my concise answers? <laughs> well, I love it. But if I can't tell you our secret sauce about the software that we're building, you know, what I could chat a little bit more about would be, what is this culture thing that we're talking about? And like, how do you define it? How do you build it? How do you create it? Because I think that that's something, you know, I've listened to your podcast, some of the other people that have been on it, I've listened to others and yeah, we, we talk about it and it's this elusive thing, but you know, I've also spoken with people who don't like the word culture or healthier culture because they think it is too much of a buzzword. And like, what's the definition? What does it mean? So for us, we're super, super focused on this. We're building technology to help with it. We're building a com community that we're not monetizing. That's not the point. We want to make as much positive impact in the space as we can. And it's all focused on that culture, technology and community. So if you're interested, I'd love to kind of show you, you know, we're, we're hyper-focused on culture and I'd love to share a little bit more of, of our thoughts uh, on what that is and how you build it. Let me ask you one question, then we'll jump into that because I think this is going to be tied together. Are you going to be doing anything for the job seeker on this platform that helps them stand out? Oh, absolutely. This job search platform that we're building, I mean, you know, at Hound and Pet Care Collective, we just want to do everything differently. We think there's a better way for everything. Like, could we just focus super heavily on best practice for performance marketing and just place gross ads in front of people when they don't really want to be solicited? Like, yeah, we could do that, but that's not how we're going to behave. We're going to take some different approaches to these things. Um, so one, number one, to answer the question, yeah, we're going to make it easier to have a, a much better application going in front of these practice managers. Number two, we're going to make sure that your experience as a job seeker using this platform is like way better than anything else. And one way that we do this, right, this is one way of many 
that we provide perks to the users of this platform is these receptionists and technicians, they're making 10 to $20 uh, an hour on average. Are they able to afford their dream vacation to Aruba? On that salary, probably not. They might save up for a year and maybe they can go if they get on Scott's cheap flights or something and find something discounted. But I recognize that the people in the space, like they need more, right? They need more recognition. We talk about veterinarians and practice managers all the time. Those people are so, so, so important. But receptionists and technicians and assistants, they outnumber those guys five to one. And why are we not talking about them? Why are we not supporting them? Why are we not giving them resources? Why are we not nurturing those people? They're also very important in this space. I've seen them overlooked far too long, and we're here to change that for them. So for the job seekers, they'll have a way better experience, way better software for them. But some ways that we're going to give back to them that nobody else is doing, I don't expect that anybody else will do, include things like at the end of the year, some of the users are going to get a call from me, the CEO of Hound. And I'm going to say, hey, when you signed up for Hound, you said that Bali was your dream vacation. I know how hard you work. I've been in your shoes. I've done it. I've worked emergency. I've been on the floor with dogs. I know at the end of the day how you feel. I also know that you deserve some time off and some R&R. So pack your bags. You and your plus one are going on that vacation to Bali. Compliments of Hound. This is Dude, what one the way. hell? Hold on. Now I'm going <laughs> to have people expecting calls from me, CEO of Wister Cloud, sending them to Bali. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this is, well, honestly, this is one of the, one thing that I'm very, very, very excited about personally. I cannot wait to call and thank few people for being part of the community that we're building, for being part of the movement for a better, brighter future in pet care, and giving them something that I know that they really, truly need and might otherwise not really have the opportunity to go experience this. So again, that's just one way of many. We have some pretty awesome, really big things planned with our company and the community that we're building. I think the people of veterinary medicine are amazing human beings. They are the smartest people. They're the kindest people. They are so selfless. Like the humans of veterinary medicine are amazing. I'm like weird about how much I like them. And I just want to give to them. I want to provide better technology for them, better experiences, better community. And at the end of the day, I just want, you know, to give people a better experience in veterinary medicine. That's what we're shooting for. Nice. No, that's cool. And I, again, I think the best gift anyone could be given is education. And, and understanding the situation and understanding the resources that are there to help them, whether it's through the onboarding process or hiring process or, you know, in their day-to-day life. I mean, you know, we pour so much energy into writing blogs and doing podcasts and doing webinars because it's all about education. You know, like a lot of the things you're talking about, I want people to listen to this and walk away with actionable things and and start thinking differently about the way they train their teams. Because I think what happens is, as you said, you know, someone, someone was a receptionist or LVT for five to 10 years, they were promoted to practice manager. And at that point, you know, and I'm only basing this off of not my experience in the hospitals. Although, you know, at this point, I probably talk to about 30 to 50 of our customers a week, um, whether it's about like website stuff, SEO stuff, life, marketing, things like that. And and, and I kind of feel like there's typically common threads in, in every conversation. It's like, ah, I'm tired, I'm stressed, you know, people don't understand what I'm going through. And, and I, and I, and I keep telling them like, you guys have to close for an hour early and, and do team meetings and do team building and talk through things. You know, one of the things that we do an insane amount of training on here, it's called iceberg training. 
we're on a boat, we're partying it up, we're on the top floor, everything's great, and someone starts yelling iceberg. What is about to happen, and what does what is everyone supposed to do? Now, at Whisker Cloud, our biggest iceberg is typically if there's like a huge weather situation somewhere and we get 60 emails in a very short period of time that says like, well, we need to update our website. We need a pop-up. We need this. We need to update Google. We need to update Yelp, Facebook. I mean, for us, that's our iceberg moment. It's like, okay, everyone, like all hands on deck. What are we supposed to do? Going back a couple months, Texas and, and some of the Southeast got hit with a crazy storm and we were basically working shifts to provide 24 hour support as people's power was off and on and hours were changing. We were adding emergency information to sites. And so that's the type of training we do here. But, you know, I, I think the same way you're going to have training for, you know, people like people who are going to be hiring, you're probably going to have the same for people that are going to be trying to get these jobs. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're going to provide as much resource as possible. And I think that, you know, if we're looking for uh, tangibles on what what's somebody who's listening to this podcast right now, right, giving us their valuable hour out of the day, and they're in the practice, they want to make a change, they need something tangible to walk away from uh, this conversation and see if they can implement this in their practice. So if we want to talk about, you know, making this change, we want to talk about, you know, you mentioned some team building activities or some training activities, you know, these things definitely fall into the greater picture. And those are some really granular things that you can do uh, in your practice. We won't, I won't dive straight into what those things are, but I think that there are four core pillars to building awesome culture. And what you just mentioned, right? Team building or these different exercises that you mentioned fit kind of within two of them, building vulnerability and building for growth. But the four pillars for building awesome culture are building purpose, building safety, building vulnerability, and building growth. And if we were to dive into those things, the first one, let's start with building purpose. This is really where you have to start. You have to build purpose because people want to believe in the work that they do. So you have to align your people to a shared passion. You know, ask yourself, why do we do what we do? Ask your teams, why do we do what we do? You know, at Hound, our purpose is to inspire, empower, and support the people of pet care. That's it. That's our purpose. That's what we exist to do. And if your team can be a part of putting this together and whiteboarding or sticky noting, why do we do what we do? What is our purpose at this practice? Why do we do what we do? That needs to be a, a team discussion. It needs to be something that the people of the practice come together uh, and are able to write down and feel like they were a part of building that, right? You can't have these values like shoved down your throat. This needs to be something that everybody believes in, that everybody has a say in and a voice in. You want this stuff to become part of the oxygen of the space. When I say that, it's just something that people speak about. They all say the same things. They all believe in the same things, and they're really aligned to those shared passions. And the way that you do that as well is you develop some core values. And these things you're actually like list one, two, three, what are our core values? And those are things that you can can reference. And ideally, those core values are things that people uh, are able to remember, right? So for Hound, what we've done uh, is we've created uh, an acronym. Our core values are that Hound cares and cares is the acronym. C is for community. It's the first thing in our list intentionally because we care about other people. We care about the greater good. We care about others. So community is our first core value. The next A, agility, we care about moving quickly. This industry needs to move quickly if we want to make this change and tackle this big hairy monster. So we're focused on moving quickly. 
The next R, this one is for results, right? We care about results in veterinary medicine. Results-oriented medicine is also quite relevant. Uh, the next E, excellence. We want to be your best every day, right? And this is going to change day to day, but we want to be the best. Uh, we want to provide excellence, and we want to provide excellence for everyone. Excellence for our customers, excellence for our employees, excellence for those that surround us. And the final S of CARES is sympathy, right? You can't always be empathetic because you haven't always been in everyone's shoes, but you can always be sympathetic and you can care about other people and you can meet them where they are. And those are the hound core values, hound cares. So if your practice doesn't have core values, it doesn't have to be as many as we have, but if your practice doesn't have core values, make some right? Make some with the team. Make sure that everybody understands. These are our core values. And the next thing that you do is you build your culture code. And the culture code are just the rules that everyone plays by, including your clients, by the way. It's okay to tell your clients what behavior is not allowed. And if they cross that line and they behave in a way that is not respectful to the culture code of your practice, that client is fired. I don't care if they're one of the highest paying clients in the practice, if they're coming in every time and beating up your staff, physically, mentally, emotionally, they've got to go, right? Have a conversation with them first, see if they can align to your culture code of your practice. And if they can't, then they got to go. And the same is true for people on the team. Uh, but that's the first step, right? Building purpose. The next is building safety. And this one's very, very important. People want to belong and they want to be safe. And this all starts at something called the moment of arrival. The moment of arrival is very, very important. This is why when you go to a hotel, the lobby is like grandiose and amazing. And they give you a nice drink and a cookie or something because they want you to feel when you arrive that you belong, that you're special, that you're seen and heard. The moment of arrival is so important. So for vet practices, something as simple as a welcome card to all new hires signed by the entire team that they receive on day one will make that new person joining your team feel comfortable. I've seen this in practice. You know, we did more than just a, a card. We did a card, we did a t-shirt, goodie bag, like everything. So that when on day one, this person joins, they already feel like part of the team. And it was amazing to me seeing day one hires wearing the t-shirts of our, of our practice and joking and laughing and making plans to like go get margaritas after work with the other techs. That's amazing. And you do that by focusing on the moment of arrival. The next concept in building safety is making sure that you're cautious about emotional contagion. What this means, this is actually pretty interesting uh, psychology behind this too. We actually have something in our brain called mirror neurons. They found these in monkeys too, where if a monkey was watching uh, another monkey eat peanuts or something, the same neurons in their brain would fire as the ones that would fire if they were actually eating those peanuts. It's a really amazing discovery in science like a few years back. So these mirror neurons are quite closely associated with something called emotional contagion. And we've all done this. Somebody yawns in the room, you yawn too. Somebody in the room is like slouching and tired, you kind of start feeling slouchy and tired too. Well, if in veterinary medicine, we wear burnout on our sleeve and the practice manager just like wants to celebrate how burnt out and busy they are, the rest of the practice is going to feel that. The rest of the practice is going to emanate that. And that needs to be fixed. Emotional contagion is very, very real. We cannot be romanticizing burnout. We cannot be romanticizing staying, who stayed the latest and who worked the hardest. That's not it right? We've got to get rid of that. Emotional contagion is also very, very important for building safety. 
You want to build belonging cues. These belonging cues is just like so many different uh, aspects of communication uh, that make people feel like they belong. And really the way to look at this in a metaphor, because I love metaphors, is you're protecting your sandcastle. Your sandcastle is your culture. It's very delicate. It takes a lot of precise work to make it what it needs to be. And then if some kid on the beach comes around and is kicking over everybody's sandcastles, are you going to let them stick around and kick your sandcastle too? No. You've worked hard to build the sandcastle. Your friends worked with you to build the sandcastle. You want to you want to enjoy it and let other people look at it and enjoy it too. We don't want people coming around kicking down our sandcastles. And if somebody is seen kicking down sandcastles, aka toxic performers in the practice, they should probably be let go. The next piece is building vulnerability. And this is also super important because people want their self-confidence protected. There's something that we do, especially as adults, called status management. And I love this study. Uh, there's a study done by a guy called uh, named Peter Skillman. He's a designer and I think an architect. And what he did is he uh, did a bunch of studies with kindergartners versus MBAs, CEOs, lawyers. And what he would do is he would say, hey, guys, here's some marshmallows and here's some pasta noodles. What I want you to do is build the tallest structure you can. Okay, go. And every time, who would you expect to win? The kindergartners or the MBAs, CEOs, or lawyers? What would you think, Adam? Well, I have a feeling that the kids are going to win. But I would expect, sure, the MBAs to win. Of course. So we'd imagine <laughs> that grown adults that have very good education, that have so much experience to draw from, that are super smart, would beat these kindergartners. But they don't. On average, the MBAs would build something that's about 13 inches tall, and the kindergartners would build structures that are about 26 inches tall. They won every single time. And it's because of something called status management. What happens is whenever you present this experiment to the kindergartners and to the MBAs, the groups operate differently. Within the kindergartners, they just work together. They don't care if they make a mistake. They don't care if somebody's like has an idea and it doesn't make sense right away. They kind of just like quickly iterate and solve problems together. And they're not cautious about looking stupid or whatever it is, right? With the MBAs and the CEOs and lawyers and what probably all of us as working professionals and adults would do is we would kind of like, I don't know, reserve a comment because we weren't sure if that would be wrong or, or right to say and we don't want to seem dumb. Or, you know, there might be somebody in the group who like is on a power trip and they want to be in charge of the group. And even though they might not be the smartest person in the room, but they just so happen to be leading this team now somehow. And what ends up happening is instead of working together and putting down all these barriers and just allowing people to share ideas together, to ask questions, to quickly learn and grow together, the MBAs, the CEOs and lawyers are all caught up in status management. This kind of stuff happens in practices. You kind of have this weird hierarchy battle between practice managers and veterinarians, like who's really in charge here? Stop doing that. You know, you have this weird thing between like technicians versus assistants or receptionists, like guys, stop it. We're all on the same team. <laughs> We're all here together. We're all people. And guess what, doctors? Sometimes you're going to have a technician that's been in the industry for longer and they're going to see you suturing something wrong because we're all humans and we make mistakes. That technician should feel safe and empowered enough and comfortable enough and connected enough to their team members to say, hey, doc, I might be wrong, but it's, is that right? And if the technician asks you that as a doctor, you should thank them. 
right? They're there to help you. You're caring about the patients and that's really what matters. So put down the status management. That is so, so, so important for people in the practice. Like we just need to adopt this, put down status management and watch your teams flourish. They'll work together stronger. They'll collaborate better. Like it's going to be amazing if we figure out the status management problem. So please, please, please in your practice, talk to your practice managers and your doctors and your technicians, talk to your teams about status management and how to avoid that. So that's number three, building building vulnerability. And the final thing is building growth. People want to evolve. We're wired to do so. It's in our DNA. It's all we've ever been doing. We're the most evolved species on the planet, period. So we want to grow. Ceilings exist, okay? Ceilings exist for everyone. They exist for the company. They exist for departments. They exist for people. And you want to build a culture of breaking these ceilings. The way that you break these ceilings is through upskilling your employees. So like you had mentioned, Adam, how do we make sure that this practice manager uh, who gets promoted from a tech position does well in the role? Upskill that person. They've been a technician for the past two years at your practice. What makes you think that you just get to wave a magic wand and now they know how to manage a business? Upskill them. Pay for them to go to some CE or something. Or if you really want to do better than that, pay for their schooling or pay for something like general assembly where they can learn like data analytics or people management. There are so many resources available to us and we need to focus on in the practice on building growth of at the individual level. If you're a larger facility at the departmental level, at the end of the day, you build uh, up your people, you will build up your departments, you will build up your company, and you will even see this spread into the greater community. Your clients will be happier. The patients will have better care. If we treat our people better, if we grow our people, that is the seed that does all of the growth all the way to the very top. If we focus on our people, we upskill them, we will see changes throughout the space and we will see the changes that we're looking for. So those are the four things we need to do in veterinary medicine. Build purpose, build safety, build vulnerability, and build growth. If you do those things and you do them well and you deep dive into every one of those sections and you figure out all of the different tasks that are necessary or projects or exercises with your team, do all of those things. You will build amazing culture in your practice. You will have a very healthy business. You'll have very happy customers. And at the end of the day, everyone's going to be happier. So that's what needs to happen in this space. And we're trying to do our best uh, to help people get there. So that was a lot. <laughs> and so someone's listening to this and, you know, they, they're they done with this episode. They go like and subscribe and rate Whisker Talks as a perfect five on Apple, Spotify and everything else. And they think, wow, that was inspirational stuff from Andrew. Tomorrow I'm going to go into work we're recording this on a Thursday, tomorrow's Friday, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do X. And it's going to be the first, the first domino to the, the new culture building at X hospital. What's that first domino? Ask your people why you do what you do and collect this information. And you're going to start building purpose for the team. So you're going to ask, so you're saying ask the reception team, the, the RVTs, the docs, everyone just, Hey, why do you do what you do? Absolutely. Ask every single person on the team, why do we do what we do? Everybody on the team needs to feel like they're a part of building this culture and building this vision. We need to know from every single person because every voice matters. Everyone is equal. We are all humans working together in this space. Some of us just so happen to be receptionists. Some of us just so happen to be technicians. Some of us happen to be doctors. We all matter. 
Why do we do what we do? If we can align, that is the first step you need to take in building awesome culture in your practice. So ask your teams, why do we do what we do? Again, I don't want to come off like the negative guy. This is the second business I've owned. And and I come at everything from a super realistic standpoint. Everything in my life is data. So I know well before Whisker Cloud, well before Greenbaum Digital, well before that, I mean, I managed a lot of big teams and a lot of big departments. And the, one of the things I've found is it's sort of like America. Most people are about 50-50. Well, we'll say it this way. You have about 20% who are the extreme on one way, 20% the extreme in the other way. And then the others are kind of split 40, 40. Is that bad math? Yeah, that's bad math. Anyway, 30-30. The point is, as you're trying to get that buy-in, what do you recommend for the people who you go ask someone, hey, why do we do what we do? And they're like, listen, shut up, man. We're really busy. We got a lot going on. I don't want to take the negative side of this, but I also want to, I want the, re- I want realistic because I don't want people to walk out of this and, and say, oh yeah, tomorrow I'm going to go in on Friday morning. I'm going to ask everyone what, why we do what we do. And they're going to be like, yeah, Mr. Johnson here, he sucks. And his two cats are screaming. So like, can you, can you ask me later? So like, how do you want them to be prepared for that if they don't get a hundred percent buy-in? Cause we use a, we use a program called 15.5 and 15.5 is great because it's, you know, one-on-one management, you know, and everyone meets one-on-one with their, their, you know, their direct reports every other week. And then we do weekly check-ins. How are you feeling? What are you working on? What's going great? What don't you like? And it's nice. I read every single person in the companies, every single one, every pretty much Friday night and Saturday morning, because I want to know who's working on what I want them to know that I know what they're working on. They all know I read them. So, and I want them to be honest. And that's one of the things we talk about. If you're working on a project that you hate, tell me and tell me why you hate it. If you're working with someone that you're just not jiving with on a project, I need to know. So I always say like, don't hold back. So what do you say to the people who go get that feedback and maybe not get the feedback they were hoping for, which, you know, as a business owner, guess what? Sometimes person A says, I just don't like working with person B, you know, he or she's just moving a little slow for me, or I don't think she's, I think she's holding me back. And you have to read that and you have to act on that. Not just say like, Oh, wow, they, they suck. They should just get along. So what do you say to that when, when someone doesn't get a hundred percent buy-in? Yeah. So here's the thing with building culture, right? It's like building that sandcastle. It's not something that you can do immediately in one day with one checklist. This is going to be a long-term dedicated project that your practice and your people are going to have to commit to. And if you don't get 100% buy-in on day one, that's fine. You know, this is psychological safety. Uh, What we need to do is allow people to share different opinions and share different thoughts uh, and to be able to speak within that space and disagree with each other. And we have to be vulnerable about that. As the practice managers, we have to understand that people aren't going to always think or feel the way that we hope that they think or feel. So we have to just take, I mean, you say you talk about data, right? Well, we don't want data that's manipulated or data that's inaccurate because you've collected it in the correct way just to receive the feedback you want to receive. You need to collect the data that's important and gives you the full picture. And from there, you can outline what the next steps will be. So building culture is not a, okay, I'm going to go in on Friday and the first step on my 10 10 item checklist is this. There are certainly some things that you need to start asking, some conversations you need to start having in the practice. And again, the first thing you need to do is build purpose, the way that you build purpose, like the, the four that I listed, build purpose, build safety, vulnerability, and growth. Those really should be done sequentially. The way that you build purpose is by getting a conversation started. It's by getting people to open up, asking them these types of questions and understanding where the people are at. 
Once you're able to do that, you're able to start unifying people. You're able to start building that safety, building vulnerability, and building growth. So, you know, there's not a there's not a a checklist I can give you today on how to build amazing, awesome culture, do these 10 things and you'll get it. It's not that. It's much, much bigger. It's much, much larger of a list. It's much, much larger of a project. But I hold true to my answer. If you want to build awesome culture in your practice, I don't care if it's uncomfortable. I don't care if it's corny. It's going to be corny sometimes. I don't care if it it makes people kind of like, eh, I don't really like whatever. You need to start the conversation and probably the easiest way for someone to start that conversation is to ask people a very simple question in the practice. Why do you do what you do? The practice managers, the owners, the leaders in the space can then take that information and begin crafting the next steps, which are developing the core values with the team, building the culture code, and then going out of purpose into safety, vulnerability, and growth. So I do, I I wish so badly that there was a little checklist I could give somebody say, here you go, go do this next month and you're going to have awesome culture in your practice. It's much bigger than that. It takes much more dedication and work and time than that. But these are the things that you have to do if you want to see this culture change in the industry. If we want to keep talking about it for the past five years, like we have been for the past five years, then don't ask your people why we do what we do. If you want to see the change in the industry, start having these conversations, start collecting the information, start unifying your people. This is the first step in building better culture. No, I love that. And I'll tell everyone, you know, really just for me, how we've built Whisker Cloud successfully is everyone's made aware of the same thing on day one. I don't care if they report to me. I don't care if they're multiple reports away from me as the owner of the company. Point blank, everyone here has my cell phone number and I've told them, you have access to me 24-7. My own family outside of my wife does not have access to me 24-7. But if you work at Whisker Cloud and you wear that Whisker Cloud shirt and you're part of this team, you have a direct line to me 24-7. My phone is on. I don't care if it's personal, professional. If you need me and something's up, you let me know and I'm there. And I've had weird things in the middle of the night where people needed help and I'm there. So, you know, I, I think just being there is such a big part of it. And and they have to really know that you mean it. And I say, hey, I, you know, in fact, we talked to someone today. She starts a week from Monday and I told her the same thing. You'll have my cell phone number, whatever you need, when you need it, I'll be there. So, you know, keep in mind, I, I think showing you care is really important. And real quick, Andrew, to to end our chat, where can everyone find you, follow you, all of that stuff? Give it to me in 20 seconds. Yeah, sure. So if you head over to Instagram, we have no posts live at all. But if you want to follow us, we've got Hound and Pet Care Collective. We are going to be launching Pet Care Collective here in the next uh, few weeks. I actually don't know when this this podcast will go up. But start of May, uh, Pet Care Collective will be live. If you want to go join a wait list, you can go to pcc.pet and join the community. We're really excited to be, again, building a better, brighter future in pet care. So if you want to be a part of that with us, you can find us there over at Pet Care Collective. You're the man. Thanks so much for being on. Everyone, we'll be linking to all of that. Have a good one.